0: Hello and welcome to Lani Land. I'm your host, Lani Pavlovich, and this is my podcast. I'm an Aussie-based mum lady, journalist, sex educator and well-being coach, and nothing is off limits here in LANILand. You can join me in this digital space every week for candid conversations about anything and everything. We talk about sex, parenthood, body image, health, culture, world issues, well-being, and much, much more. So sit back, check your negativity at the door, and allow me to introduce you to some epic humans and ideas while we break taboos and get very, very real. Remember, hit the subscribe button at the end to keep up to date with what's new in Lani land and check out the show notes for giveaways, promos, and much more. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Lani Land. I am joined today by Lana and Lana, I want to let you introduce yourself because we've been following each other on Instagram for a little while now and, well, stalking you would be the term I'd use to describe (laughs) our relationship, but um, (laughs) welcome to the show and uh, yeah, tell us about you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me. Uh, Well, I'm Lana Jade and I am a sex worker and I've just launched a podcast because I'm moving into the counselling and sexual education space. So yes, I came across your profile and just quietly uh, perving a little bit
0: for a (laughs) few months before we made contact.
1: But yeah, that's what I'm doing um, at the moment and yeah, here we are
0: beautiful yes when you contacted me I was like oh my god who is this woman and how have <laughs> I not seen you before and then I think I went about 50 of your posts and yes <laughs> we uh, oh no? yeah and
1: <laughs> and content creation as well that's why yes. I contacted of
0: course yes, yes yes so we had planned to do a shoot together and then all of this lockdown stuff just destroyed that plan didn't it
1: Oh my gosh, it has completely ruined my fun. That week was meant yes. to be such a hot week. I had like five shoots in Brisbane lined up and it was just going to be the most awesome erotic <laughs> few days and instead I was stuck in Sydney at home, um, yeah, with a mild panic
0: <laughs> every every day instead but anyway it's not a vibe but we are making up for it with this podcast now and we are going to get all the juiciness on this recording i'm really excited so i suppose i wanted to ask okay because obviously i'm a sex educator as well and i love 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 the fact that you've come from a background in sex work so can you sort of tell me i guess first of all what made you decide to make the switch from sex work to sex education
1: yeah that's a really good question and it was a really kind of a progressive move that I didn't actually foresee happening or didn't actually really um see it as an option for ages you know I'd get I've got a presence on social media not a huge presence but a reasonable presence and for years I'd get women contacting me about all different sorts of um, you know problems that they're having in the bedroom or communication or just general sex questions and I wanted to help them and I really wanted to be able to give them the tools to use to you know assist their problems um, but I didn't have the skills like I just wasn't equipped for it, and I felt kind of defeated for a while and then um it kind of dawned on me <laughs> that I can actually get the skills and turn that into um you know a, a career pathway and help people in an um a sexual sense in a different way. you know I've spent all of these years working with men mostly, but what I've loved about it is the vulnerability and the, um, the freedom that they have when they're with me that where they're able to fully express themselves and explore those sexual desires as well as you know educating themselves and learning about their sexual pleasure but others sexual pleasure too so it's kind of been a progressive experience that has led me to want to help people outside of the realm of being intimate with them to help them.
0: Mm. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, I suppose who is more qualified to teach about sex than someone who has kind of made a living from it, right? I mean, the amount of things you would have seen, done, experienced um, from your perspective and from the perspective of others as well, I mean, you can bring that into an incredible learning space and yeah, teach people about sex, sex education, pleasure. It's, um, it's a cool perspective.
1: Yeah, I think so too, but one of the biggest things I've realised was how um, disconnected people were from their sexuality and from their pleasure and from being able to experience that and know how to experience that without shame or without any of the dogma around sex that sort of hangs over society's head and which, as you would know, is one of the causes of... um, people needing, you know, sexual education and being needing some guidance and being able to experience the pleasure Mm. for themselves.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. And I know just from working because my main clientele is also men, uh, just obviously in a a slightly different sphere, but what I've learned from that and what I've learned from them is that there is a huge disconnect, like you said, between, you know, relationships, pleasure, communication in the bedroom it's just men are such pleasers and I don't think a lot of women realize just how much men want to please their partner in the bedroom and we as women sometimes don't give them that opportunity or we are stuck in our own shell and aren't you know comfortable with our own sexuality and our own pleasure so we can't help them sort of create that cool bond and experience epic sex together right
1: Yeah, I totally agree. That's a really good point Uh, because, I mean, most women don't even understand their own bodies really. Like when you get down to it, it takes a lot of um, exploration and experimenting to work out what works for you, like what makes you tick. So to expect that another person can just walk in and know how to like hit those buttons without you telling them or guiding them is you know, it's an irrational thought when you think about it really, but we kind of have this expectation that they should be doing that and they want to do that, but we haven't given them the tools to to guide them because we haven't really, a lot of us haven't explored it for ourselves. We want it to happen. We know it should happen. Society says we should be having great sex. We should be doing this. We should be able to connect. We should have all of these amazing orgasms in all of these different ways, but, like, <laughs> there's no real tools to you know, that people can easily access um, comfortably to to help them get there.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think that, unfortunately, the only real source of sex education we have as young people is porn. And we both know that it's yeah. not always exactly, you know, 100% real, <laughs> is it? OnlyFans gives us a little bit of a platform to, uh, you know, as sex educators as well, show people the difference between real and fake, if that makes sense. I know I use my platform for that and I'm not sure you know, what yours is all about. But is that sort of something you want to do now as an educator as well?
1: Yeah, I am looking at how to re step like how to um, rework my OnlyFans at the moment. Initially, like I was doing it for work, for escorting mostly, you know, and I'd done porn previously. So I didn't have that desire to have that authenticity there. Um until last year when my partner and I decided that we would, you know, he was happy to come on and like film with me and we were able to offer that authentic relationship sex, you know, that people genuinely do want to see they, there's a difference between, you know, um scripted sex or like set, you know, porn sets and relationship sex. So we were doing that together. But he's in another state now and um So it's been really hard to obviously film because we are in separate states. And so I haven't been able to offer my subscribers that same authentic experience that I would really like to portray. And so, yeah, that one's a work in progress for me. I have to work out how I can uh, feel comfortable about representing an authentic sexual experience and entertaining you know all of the things yeah not too sure how i'm gonna go about it
0: mm, it is it's a constant battle isn't it now i would love to let's get back to the beginning a little bit so sex work what made you get mm-hmm. into that how did that all happen what was that process like for you because there's so much stigma around sex work and you know as someone who knows people within that industry and you know even within the only fan stuff and whatnot it's really you know it's very misunderstood. So could you talk us through your personal experience with sex work?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I've always been really interested in the industry from a young age. Like I've always been really sexual in nature. Um, So I've always been inclined to experiment or want to experiment in it. But of course, there was this whole stigma around it. So I didn't for a long time until I got into a situation where I wanted to launch a business and needed more money. And um there's this whole idea, and it's true, I suppose, that you can make like, you know, bigger money in a like a much faster fashion than you would be using any other career means. Um, and so I started sugar dating because I was worried I was just nervous about going to a brothel or or whatever. Um, so I started sugar dating and then from there <laughs> I met a guy on Tinder, who I started dating and ended up—he ended up essentially being my pimp in around, oh you know, no, pretty. Much. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he'd be mortified if he heard me say it like that, but that's exactly what it was. Yeah. And um, yeah, so he was managing me and we we're dating, and it was just—it got really messy as it would and so from that I went to work for an agency uh, which is awful some of the people in the industry treat you in such a bad way uh, especially if you're inexperienced and they definitely benefit, um they have an inclination to you know want to take a profit over your safety mm. um in a lot of in a lot of businesses not all of them of course and not demonizing the industry by any means but, yeah, and so I ended up working as an independent worker shortly after that, and that was kind of my start in sex work as a full-service full service worker.
0: And was it scary or, like, nerve-wracking at first? I mean, that first meeting you have where you've set it up, you're on your own, what is that like? What's <laughs> going through your head as you turn up to this appointment? <laughs>
1: Um, I actually blogged about all of this. I used to have a blog and I'm releasing it as a book, actually. So, um, my first... yeah yeah it is exciting, so the first appointment was terrifying. So it was a sugar date I'd met him previously just for coffee, um, but the first time that we were to be intimate, I actually cancelled on him because my nerves got the better of me um and then I met him at a hotel i you know I uh found the courage to meet him. Um, I was terrified. I was so nervous. I downed like four four drinks at the bar mm-hmm. before we went upstairs, and which you know is not like the the healthiest coping mechanism by any means. Um, yeah, and it was terrifying,
0: <laughs> and it was like that for ages yeah yeah so it didn't get easier after the first one it's not like ripping the band-aid off and you're like no I'm good now I've got this no no the
1: nerves seem to stick around for a while now it feels so foreign thinking about it because now it's like it's nothing you know it's just an everyday thing well not every day which was every day I mean from rolling in cash yeah. <laughs> um, but um but yeah you know now it's like exciting when you you go to open the door, you're like who is it? you kind of play this guessing game to work out if you've like envisioned your client right from the from the correspondence and it's exciting um completely the opposite <laughs> of what it was originally
0: yeah yeah that's cool. And I guess you know when you are meeting the client right, have you ever had any experiences where it's gone? really bad obviously you know you don't know this person that's turning up they get there like has there ever been a situation that you found yourself in where either you were really uncomfortable for whatever reason or you know the client turned into a crazy person midway through or just something went wrong yeah
1: yeah totally there's been all of those things there's been like pretty much every bad situation possible including turning up and them turning you away which is mortifying oh god um <laughs> yeah. it Not would turn you sol- away,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, mortifying, I think some guys do get off on that like power trip around that, yeah,
0: yeah. um
1: <laughs> or genuinely, they don't like you, I don't know, but either way, it's happened a couple of times. it doesn't get any easier, um, but yeah, I've had bad experiences in terms of clients, you know, like I had probably i mean you know been raped um and you know things like that i've had one client who was high so i've changed the way i worked in terms of the risk management i have around it now but um took a client that was you know doing drugs and um he ended up going psychotic halfway through the booking like something in his mind switched and he thought he became so paranoid. He thought I'd set up the whole scenario. He thought I had microphones and cameras everywhere and that I was, like, some part of this big conspiracy. And every time I'd go to reach my phone, he'd flip out. He'd threaten to throw me over the balcony. Oh, my God. Um, and I, yeah, and I was held in this room for, like, eight hours. Um. Yeah, overnight, like, he wouldn't leave. Um yeah so that was terrifying uh those those experiences are pretty rare obviously and like i said I've, I've changed the way i work to be able to work in a lot safer at all well, in a in i choose to um, work in a way that reduces the risk mm. in that and, situation like i knew that i was on drugs and i still took the booking so not yeah. that it's by any fault like my fault but still
0: that's crazy yeah, how do you come back from that? So obviously, you know, what you're doing now is is more of a counselling role or that's what you're going into. So, you know, you're going to have all these, well, first-hand experiences, I suppose, that you can use to help your clients. Like what did you do to get past that? Because that's a big thing to have to overcome.
1: Yeah, well, I think this is the biggest part of me wanting to be moving into a counselling role and particularly I want to focus on counselling for sex workers. Because of this, you know, like um, therapists and things have high rates of burnout because of, you know, vicarious traumatization and in different scenarios that they hear all the time. And it's similar with sex work, except the trauma is actually happening to us quite repeatedly. and not that that's every day but it can feel traumatic a lot of the time or some of the time and there's no um we're not taught any skills on how to manage burnout or manage uh those situations and debrief with somebody else or, or anything like that, and finding a, a therapist or a counselor that has no bias or no prejudice towards the industry is unbelievably hard and can be a you know, super expensive process. Yeah. And disheartening too. So that's been one of the main reasons for me moving into counseling is for, for situations like that. And I mean, that's an extreme scenario and they're not always like that but you know um there's a lot of mental anguish that can even in the way of like conflicting values that you might have with the clients and things like that um that can cause some you know uh distress but um for me with that i I don't know. I just kept working. I don't think I really. Um, I think I just suppressed it, which is obviously an unhealthy co- coping mechanism. But I had none at that point. Like I didn't understand the the importance of being able to um, manage all those emotions and experiences in a way that wasn't going to lead to to you know to burnout or um, a sense of trauma.
0: Mm. And it's challenging too, because I I work with a lot of sex workers in a counseling uh, sort of realm. And Mm -hmm. from what I understand, from what I hear from them is that a lot of them enter the industry very young. So straight off the bat, 18, 19, 20, whatever it is, haven't even had their own sort of sexual experiences in the world yet. And they are jumping into these scenarios, which you know that's fine power to them, but you aren't given any mechanisms, are you? And I suppose, like you said before, the industry can be quite cruel because it's money driven, right? It's high money driven. So I suppose the support for young women who are in this industry is very low. And what you're trying to do could definitely help, I think, as far as breaking a bit of stigma, but also supporting women who are wanting to get into this line of work.
1: Yeah, I mean, the scenario, the situation is really complex. There's so many different compounding factors to it. Like you said, you know, money-driven and and also um, life experience may not have happened yet or just just simply you're dealing with so many different con- confronting scenarios, whether it be clients using you as a therapist, which they do. Yeah. They tell you about problems or they tell you about like these You know, all of the different things which essentially counselors and therapists are given training to counter. Um, And we have never, we don't even know that that's something that we need to be mindful of, essentially. And so we've got no way of knowing when to, when or how to manage it. Mm. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, that is a good point. That's a really good point because I think a lot of men, um, you know, based on what I've experienced in my own you know, work with them, a lot of men just want someone to talk to. It's not even about the sex, is it? It's it's some, I mean, yes, obviously the sex is the cherry on top. For a lot of men, it's an intimate thing. It's a communication thing. It's having some pretty girl laying with them and listening to whatever the hell they have to say and making them feel better about their lives. So a lot of pressure is put on a sex worker, I would imagine, as far as not just the physical stuff, but yes, the mental stuff too.
1: Yeah, 100%. A lot of people just want to be heard. They just want to feel like they're desirable or, you know, they want to be empowered in some way or feel masculine. There's a lot of mental um, mental things that go on in a booking because it's not just about sex. There's so many other factors. Yeah, it's definitely a sexual experience most of the time, like 99% of the time but it's it's definitely deeper than that for the majority of people. I mean there's a big segment of the industry where it is just like wham bam thank you ma'am like they've just they just want to have sex, they just want to book someone they just want to go and do it. Um but it's not the entire industry. There's a there's like half of the industry is where they're looking for connection and intimacy or they have these problems that they can't deal with in their everyday life and they need someone to listen to them in a non-judgmental way and just hear them.
0: It's a big industry. And I think a lot for a lot of people who've never been um well haven't ever known anyone in it or, you know, had any experience mm. with it, they would have no idea that it's not just a bunch of hookers having sex and that's it. That's the end of the story. Like it's it's absolutely so much deeper. And you know, sex workers, their job is really quite important. I think it should be covered under bloody Medicare, just saying like, you know, everyone needs exactly. sex and intimacy and connection. It, they really do, though.
1: This is what blows my mind. I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, sex is such a vital part of society and humanity, right? Like, we know we both know that, and it's just like people try and forget about it. I mean, like, if you've got a problem with your diet, for instance, there's millions of places that you can get um, dietitians or nutritionists or doctors or any of those things. Or like, mental health is another one. It's this underfunded, but sexually if you've got a sexual dysfunction or sexual concern or if it's some sort of anything around sex, like who do you turn to? How many people can you Google and get support from or find the institute? Like it's yeah. so limited. It's something that drives so much of society. Like what they, it's used in marketing, like sex sells, right? Like it's literally, the, you know, the undertone of everything. But yeah, it's not acknowledged as one of our fundamental needs.
0: Mm, yeah, which is insane. It is. And all you gotta do is look at relationships when they break down. And when you get back to it, sex is often, very often one of the big factors. And then that kind of stems into everything else. If you're not having sex, you're not communicating, you're not this, that, whatever it is a huge part. I mean, yeah. And look, Instagram doesn't even let us say the word sex or write the word sex. So, I mean, that just shows you how, you know, removed we are from it and why we have so many issues with it, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, there's this percentage of people that want to pretend that sex doesn't even exist. And like the more it's suppressed, the more like, you know I, there's nothing unhealthy about sex that's the thing but like w- ignoring the desires and the impulses and that's when it becomes unhealthy and it manifests in unhealthy or ways not even relating to sex it could be like mm. anger or whatever it is you know it has such a flow of um negative negativity if it's not like addressed and seen to and then it creates you know there's a shame and everything that people experience because they're told or you know like society says that we shouldn't really be sexual we should you know keep that to ourselves like you can't be that
0: mm. yeah it's crazy imagine how much you know how much less rape and sexual assault and you know all of this stuff that we would have if young women and young men were empowered by sex and sexuality and learned about pleasure and boundaries and consent and all of these things that are suppressed like you said I mean we we really could change a lot of these issues by just simply being able to talk about sex a little bit more than we are
1: yeah exactly and people think that they're weird or that they're not normal or they've got something wrong with them for their sexual desires because Mm. they're not like it's not just they might be sexually attracted to anything right like that's yep. not just basic
0: m- your mainstream. male female yep. <laughs> just
1: to, you, know, like, you know sex that's it's so fascinating because it's so fluid and it's so interesting because so many things can cause arousal and pleasure, and that's normal, but it's just not seen to be normal. It's like yeah, it leaves people really
0: isolated and um around their sexuality. And it's so sad. It really is. And you know what, on that point, as someone who would have probably seen a lot of fantasies and fetishes of things that we probably wouldn't even think of, give us a few examples. Like what have you experienced with clients, you know, and their desires that has kind of made you go like, Oh wow, I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know because this is, I, I don't
1: find them, I I think I don't find any of them weird. I find some of the things like non-sexual to me personally, you know, for instance, like golden showers are mm. really, 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 really common. Right. And I guess it's becoming more mainstream now, but it's mind blowing how many men want to be peed on. Yeah. And like to me, I don't like, I, it's just not a sexual thing for me. Um, you know, there's, I don't really know what the, you know, I can't really think of anything because I feel like they're not even really worth mentioning,
0: if that makes sense. Yeah, And I think you get desensitised. I've noticed myself that it takes a lot to surprise me now when it comes to someone's fetish or fantasy, because yeah. when you're surrounded yeah. by it, when, you know, it, it doesn't seem odd anymore. They're not odd. That's a bad word to use, but different, I suppose, to what people are used to, Like like we said. But um, yeah, I didn't realize. So there is a fetish where people—I like, can't even think of the name of it now. But um, a client <laughs> I had he—he he got off on people sitting on balloons and the sound that the balloon made as they moved back and forth on the balloon. And I was like, yeah, wow, exactly right? That's a, that's a thing. Like, and and it's so curious to think. Okay, so what is the connection then between that and a, and getting turned on? Because it's to me, that just yes. seems crazy. Like I, I can't understand the turn on there. But for this particular man, it was a huge thing, and it's it's interesting. Hey, the psychology of sex.
1: It yeah. really is interesting. It's so fascinating. That's for me. Like literally, anything can be arousing yeah. to people. Even like when I'm speaking with clients that, um, or doing role plays or things that I mean, I have no interest in whatsoever. But like you're in the moment and you're doing whatever it might be and because they're so turned on and like you kind of get to, you get turned on too by the scenario even though it's like completely so far from what would normally be my thing to go to in in the way of arousal but like when you're working with someone and they're aroused and I don't know, it just ultimately makes you aroused. I'm like, why am I aroused right now? Like, why are you doing it for me? Yeah, I'm like, I just yeah. run with things.
0: are like, like, whatever. Why not, hey? Why not? Yeah, yeah it is. It is such an interesting yeah. thing. What would you say is one of your biggest turn-ons? Like, so obviously we're stepping out of the, the work role now, but like for you personally, because I think this is another big question a lot of people would have in regards to sex workers is that when you're working, I suppose, yes, you're in your sex worker brain like you're in that headspace you you're almost another person in some ways um so when it comes back to your normal real life you know with your partner and you know you have a family as well like how do you make that switch for starters and also like what is different in your own sex life that obviously you don't experience while you're working
1: yeah i guess it's just a genuine intimacy in my own life right so this is what people often ask it's because they're like well you obviously have sex all the time so you mustn't feel like having sex with your partner and I'm like, it's actually the opposite because I feel that um you know, say you've got like a cup of intimacy, like I'm tipping my cup into somebody else to like fill up their quota of intimate like fill up their cup of intimacy. So like my cup is empty then, you know? So I need my partner to like love me and be intimate with me. So I like get my level of intimacy back up to where it needs to be. So I feel like the more I work, the more I need intimacy and sex. But um the difference is really just, yeah, it's a genuine the genuine connection me personally, I am into like I am like a, the more the merrier kind of person <laughs> when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to sex like i um I love that you know if you can invite someone else into your bedroom and be able to experience um your partner enjoying somebody else and you know like that connection and that intimacy building is just is incredible and so that's the kind of thing I'm into like yeah the more the merrier. <laughs>
0: Perfect so we're, we're setting up this shoot again as soon as you can get out of Sydney and we'll just, just uh, run with that shall we? <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit the same I love connections and I love um, you know being able to have this really cool sexual energy and, and chemistry with someone else and then bringing that into the bedroom with your partner it's just there's something electric about it isn't it it's just so much fun
1: it's just something really indescribable like it's just a different type of intimacy and it's just it feels so pure if that makes sense and Mm. I love working with clients for this reason because it's just like just such a pure intimate enjoyable moment that I get to experience with them it's not about me it's like totally about their experience and their connection and that's what I love. Like I can see like the connection between the two, like the, you know, the, um, the eye contact while one of them is enjoying me and I'm, in, you know, like it's, yeah, there's something really raw and pretty incredible about those experiences and it's a different vibe, like it's a whole different thing. And I know it takes a lot for um, people to wrap their heads around, um, you know, jealousy shoes and things like that but with it. envy sometimes envy can get in the way of being able to enjoy that but it's an it's a scenario that's all-inclusive right like it's not about your partner experiencing somebody else instead of you it's being able to um, experience your partner with somebody else is just a really incredible experience
0: Mm. and it it is beautiful because it's a shared thing as well I think this is something people don't understand about those types of relationships is that you know it's I know with my own relationship people think oh you guys just go and fuck other people it's like well no that's really not how it works we invite people we care about to come and join us in our experiences and then we get to experience something special with them and them with us and it's it's really quite beautiful. I mean, it's, it's all about the pleasure and just the fun and the excitement and building those connections outside of your relationship and letting them become part of your relationship. And, yes, a lot of people don't can't wrap their head around that scenario, but I would recommend it to anyone. <laughs> Yeah, I think so too. I think there's like heaps of steps that
1: people can take to to try and get to that point because it is a really beautiful thing to be able to do and it just builds a deeper bond with your partner more than anything else I Mm. find.
0: Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And so you have a child as well.
1: Yes, I do. Yes, she's eleven.
0: Oh, that's so, I love that. It's a good age. And I remember we were chatting about this on Instagram the other day, but it, it gets to that age where you've got to sort of, you know, hide the computer screen and what you're doing and the photos you're taking and stuff, because they, they start to like pick up on things.
1: Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. So um, I am curious to know how much she, she knows. <laughs>
0: And I mean, I've always been curious about this because you do see a lot of high profile sex workers like Samantha X and, you know, a few others that do have families also. And, and obviously they they keep their family life separate from work life. But, you know, have you thought about sort of the conversations you might have with her if she did find out or when she finds out and, you know, to because I suppose it's an empowering thing and it's it's a job like, you know, it's the stigma that makes us scared about telling people we love about what we do sometimes. But I've just always been curious about what what that conversation would sound like with your child.
1: Yeah, I am 100% not sure how it will go down. I feel like I hope that I've prepped her her entire life to hear it in a sense, you know, in being understanding about sexuality nudity and needs of other people as well as obviously consent and all of those basic things so I mean I'm hoping that it will be um, a conversation that will be easier to have than I feel like it will be but children are children and their own they're their own individual persons so there's no way of knowing how that will um, translate. Mm to her but i feel like she's definitely probably picked up on some hints anyway
0: <laughs> yeah and it really does come down to the way we teach them i think kids are such sponges and we're the same we always teach our kids about you know nudity doesn't always have to be sexualized and it's okay to you know yeah you know explore your own body and ask questions and to you know use the right terminology even when it comes to their private parts and stuff All these little things, I suppose, that, you know, because mine are still quite young. Obviously, the topic of sex is completely foreign. They have no idea what it even is yet. But learning respect for their bodies, respect for other people's boundaries and stuff, it will make those conversations easier when they get old enough to kind of, you know, work out what's going on as well.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I still think she's too young um, at the moment for the conversation, but mm-hmm. i definitely getting there, <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: <laughs>
1: which makes- is very, very
0: intense. <laughs> yeah. And do you plan to continue with the sex work once you've transitioned into the counselling role or is that something you'll sort of leave behind for now? Have you thought about that?
1: Yeah, definitely. I plan to leave it behind. So, I envision that I'll be able to stop seeing new clients in about 2 months. Um, I'm not really taking on any new clients at the moment, and I'll just see my regular ones until, you know, they naturally end. Yeah. Um, I suppose um I don't know, like I've always had this feeling that, you know, if I was getting married that I would want to stop work completely. But um, I just feel like it's just time to just have a break from it. I mean, I won't say retire completely because, you know, like I know that once I've had a break from it, potentially my, um, you know, my feelings towards it will change or I'll probably miss the excitement and the connection and all of those things anyway. But for the time being, I really want to focus on a different area and um, work with that and give it everything that it deserves as well. In my new projects—that's
0: exciting and. Let's finish up by you telling us a little bit about these new product uh, projects, excuse me. So <laughs> obviously you've just launched your own podcast, which is super cool. I've listened to the first couple of episodes. Very, very exciting to hear what you've got coming up with that. And you're also doing some courses or workshops. Tell us about it.
1: Yeah, so I have launched my podcast, Are You Available? And it is going well so far, which is exciting. So, for the moment, I've been talking mostly about the industry and the views of the industry, but i will I wanted to set the background of why I have the views I do and my experiences and things before I started relating it more to like everyday people and their sex lives because you know I feel like it was fair to give them an overview of my own experiences first um yeah, so from from then, I'll. Talk about all of the sexual and relationship things that have come up time and time again through work. So I'll have that perspective of um, knowing that people have contacted me regarding that, and as or like as repeated things that I've seen um, through my experience. Um, and I'm at the moment I'm doing industry coaching as well, which is something I forgot to mention before. So I've been taking um, groups of sex workers through yeah like marketing and business programs six week programs yeah, nice. um to help them get their business to where where they want it to be with different structures and strategies and all of that fun business stuff because i love business just as much as i love sex so yeah. um and yeah and then once the once i feel comfortable knowing that I can give counselling my full attention is when I'll launch that side of it because I find it hard to switch from one persona to another um, and working as a sex worker is like an industry coach is very different from working as a counsellor and it, so I want to be able to focus on it completely so I'll launch that and I'll launch with this um, the sexual education at the same time, which has, like, different elements to it as well, like somatic and tantra and things yeah. like that. And it'll be, like, an intuitive process of working with an individual and working out what sort of um, strategies or whatever will be right for that individual. Mm. So, yeah, so that will be launching in a good time and it's very exciting.
0: That is exciting. I'm very excited to see where you go with all of this and definitely we'll have to have you back on the show to chat again another time when these things are all ready to come out. And um, I'm going to leave links to your Insta and everything in the show notes so everyone can go and check you out and check out the work that you do and also tune into your podcast too. So thank you so much for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you so much for talking to me today.
0: It was lovely. Yay. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Welcome to Lani Land. All the details about today's guests can be found in the show notes, so be sure to go and check them out. As always, if you like what you hear, share the love, share the show with your friends, your family, your next-door neighbour, tag us in your Instagram stories at It's Land, and I'll see you here again next week for more fun.